I echo the sentiment that's already been given, and that is if you are visiting with us today, you are our honored guest. I know that to be a fact as far as how you be treated, being a visitor here myself for the last couple of days. That's how I've been treated, so I know that you'll be treated likewise. If you're not familiar with the Churches of Christ, if there's something that is said or done here today that causes you to have a question, something that you're confused or something that you disagree with, please don't leave here with that question or issue on your mind. Stop on the way out and ask. Because I can assure you that Brother Matt McBrayer, who's the visitor here, uh, is the preacher here. I certainly hope he's not a visitor here. Who is the regular minister here, or one of the elders, or even one of the members here. You ask the question, I can assure you they're going to direct you to God's Word. In Colossians 3 and verse 17, everything we do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. So we're not going to give you an answer based upon what we think, what we feel, or just what we believe. It's going to be based upon what God's Word says, because we must have His authority. Thank you for being here. I bring you greetings from Branson, Missouri. Several of you come and visit with us uh, throughout the year. I see faces of those who've been down there, and we thank you for your support uh, and being with us and worshiping with us when you're in Branson. Uh, we, we enjoy uh, having visitors all year round now. It used to be when I first moved there six years ago that January and February was a time when it would be just the regular uh, members that lived in the area. But it, Branson has become a uh, more and more over the last six years an all-year-round destination where folks are coming. And so we're having visitors all year round now, which uh, we're, glad, we're glad to see that. We enjoy it. It's such an encouragement for us to see brethren who come and during their vacation time or whatever it is that brings them to Branson, that they continue to put the Lord first. Nothing. Uh, we don't expect anything less than that from, from God's family, but still it encourages us so much there at Branson to see it. We have uh, 12 to 15,000 visitors per year at Branson. And so if you come... And uh, you uh, have been there once or twice a year, and you pop in front of me in my face and go, remember me? There's a good chance that I'm not going to remember your name just because of the fact that uh, we do see folks uh, on a regular basis once or twice a year that, are, that continue to come back and, and encourage us. Uh, and uh, we love repeat offenders. Who come back to be with us, and uh, you would be our honored guest today. Third Sundays are a great day to visit Branson because we always have our potluck on the third Sunday, and we always invite folks to stay. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you to speak in this gospel meeting. Uh, I thank the elders for the confidence that they've shown in having me to not only come and speak this time, but to actually be coming back. Uh, to come back for a second time. I was here, I believe it was a couple years ago, and I held your spring uh, gospel meeting. And uh, I enjoyed my time then. And uh, either enough time has passed that you've forgotten what kind of preacher I am, uh, or you were just so desperate. I, no, I appreciate it so much. And I thank you for uh, for the confidence that you have in, in inviting your new preacher and his family to come. They are near and dear to my heart. 
Uh, Matt has continued to grow as a gospel preacher. Every time that I'm able to be around Matt, he reminds me more and more of what I know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was like when he was on this earth. I, I have the utmost confidence in him as a gospel preacher, as a Christian husband, and as the father of my grandchildren to help those that he has an opportunity to go to heaven. My daughter Autumn, uh, my second daughter, we have three daughters, two of them are married, both of them married to gospel preachers. Uh, Autumn, you have, uh, you have done well. Uh, you have got two for the price of one when you, when you ask them to come here because Autumn has been raised to be faithful to the Lord. She's been raised to be active in the church and to be uh, a teacher. And she's been raised to use whatever talents that she has to the best of her ability to, to help the kingdom to increase, uh, to encourage the brethren. And she has been blessed with much talent, I know, because um, she didn't get it from me. She got it from her mother. Her mother is very talented in many ways that all of my daughters are talented in. And they even got their mother's good looks because I kept mine. Uh, I didn't have any to give, really. But you are uh, you are blessed, and at the same time, I realize that they are blessed to be part of the family here. So it's uh, I look forward to a long uh, partnership and work for the Lord uh, with the McBrayers and the Lebanon congregation as they have now become part of the family here. If you have your Bible, and I trust you do, our scripture reading this morning from Ephesians chapter 5, let's revisit that for just a moment. Begin verse 25, we read, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason the man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. A healthy marriage relationship involves that husband and wife loving one another. Specifically here, Paul instructs husbands, husbands, love your wives. I heard somebody one time say in teaching ladies, uh, I wasn't in the presence of it, but I heard that the teacher actually said, isn't it interesting that God has to instruct the husbands to love their wives, but nowhere does he tell wives to love her husbands? Well, she was just mistaken. Because in Titus chapter 2 and verse 4, the older women are to instruct the younger women to love their husbands. So yes... It's a two-way street. A healthy relationship involves a man who loves his wife and a wife who loves her husband. And the love is so deep that, brethren, we love our spouse more than we love our children. 
Now, we love our children as much as we can love them, but it's just different. But the love we have for our spouse is a deeper, greater love in the way that those of us who've been married should understand this because, you see, the children, they grow up and they leave us. And they cleave to someone else when they form their own family and form that relationship, that marriage relationship. So then they have that bond of love for one another. And the only love that is greater than what we have as a husband for a wife or a wife for a husband, the only love that should be greater and must be greater is our love for God. You want a wife, men, that loves God more than she loves you. You want a man, sisters, who loves God more than he loves you. And the reason behind that is, is if a man loves God more than he loves his wife, then he's going to treat his wife in a way that's going to please his wife if she loves God. Because everything that he does is going to be based upon trying to please God, which means he's going to be treating you the way God would have him to treat you. If a man has a wife who loves God more than she loves him, then she's going to treat him in a way that's going to make him happy. Because she's going to be treating him in a way that's for the purpose of making God happy. And when you have that kind of atmosphere, it can't, you can't have anything but happiness. Because of that great love you have for one another. You remember when you first started dating? For some of us, that was several years ago, but you know, I can still remember. You know, you just we just couldn't spend enough time with each other. You know, every hour, every minute of every hour that we could be together, we just wanted to be. And you'll see young couples like that still today. It's funny how that just doesn't change. You know, you can see a young couple sometime, the way they're sitting with each other and the way that they're walking with each other and the way that they want to touch hands, you know, hold hands and put an arm around. You can just go, yeah, they're just dating, aren't they? They're just dating. And they just love each other so much, you just, they just look like they could eat each other up. And then they get married and wish they had. Oh, no, no, no. We just, we love each other so much and we just want to spend time with each other. And then when we finally have to go home, what did we do? We go home and then we get on our telephone and we continue to talk until maybe we even fell asleep talking to each other on the telephone. We just, that's, that's a healthy relationship. You just can't get enough of each other. You want to spend time with each other. And though, then when you get married, while, our, while the way that we physically may continue to show our affection for one another may mature, we still, if we have a healthy relationship, continue to put our spouse first. Their happiness is still of utmost importance. As Paul said, the husband who loves his wife is going to nourish and cherish her. How do I know that? Because he said that's what he does for his own flesh and we're to love our wives as we love our own bodies. Yes, men, you are the king of your home. That's right. Did you hear that? Yeah, I see. Yeah. I like what the preacher just said there. Did you hear that? I am the king. Yes, and she is your queen and you better treat her like one. Because the man who treats his wife as a queen has no problem submitting to him. 
because she's a queen. That's a healthy relationship. But which of the following scenarios? Give me a few scenarios here and let me see. You just in your mind determine if this sounds healthy. Let's suppose that a husband's job required him to stay away from home for six days out of the week. And one day out of the week, he's able to come home. You may automatically be thinking Saturday or Sunday, but it, you know, it, could, it might be Monday or Tuesday. It's just one day out of the week, he's allowed to come home from where it is that his job has him. And one day, his, uh, the husband calls the wife and says, you know, I'm really tired. I've had a hard week, and I'd like to just really just stay here and, and rest. And, you know, maybe I'll come home next week and see you. But you know where my heart is. Now, a wife might try to be understanding of the situation and say, okay, you know, he's had a hard time. I'm going to try to, you know. But what what she's thinking is, but I want to see you. And even though she may not verbalize it, she's going to be thinking, and I really wish that you wanted to see me as much as I want to see you. Is that healthy? Would you say that that's a healthy relationship when the man says, I've just decided I'd like to catch up on my rest, but I love you like I love myself. See you next week, maybe. Well, I suppose the husband's been at work for those six days and he... And he calls his wife, and this time it's not a matter of, uh, of being tired. He just says, you know what I've found out is I'm not so tired on my day off if I use my day off to try to get ahead on my work for the next week because then I don't have to spend as much time and effort in my, in, in my work throughout the week because I've kind of got ahead. So I'm not going to come home this week. Because I'm just going to catch up. But you know where my heart is. Probably in the back of her mind she's going, yeah, I know where your heart is. It's at work. And yet he's saying the right words as far as, I love you, I need you, I want you, I desire to be with you. But under these circumstances, you know where my heart is. Does that sound healthy? Well, let's suppose a husband just doesn't come home. No explanation. And when he finally does come in contact with his wife, it goes something like this. Well, yes, uh, I didn't come home. No, I don't want to tell you where I went. Uh, But, you know, you don't have to worry about it. It was just... You know, I mean, think about it. We've been married, what, five years? That's um, 1,825 days and nights that you've known exactly what I was doing and where I was going. This is just one time that I don't want to share it with you. You know where my heart is. 
Well, we've been married 10 years. That's 3,650 days and nights in which you've known exactly what was going on in my life. Now, I just don't want to tell you about what was going on this past 24 hours. But, you know, think of all these other days and nights. You know, this is just one time that I don't want to talk about. And you don't have to worry about me ever disappearing like that again. Because you know where my heart is. While we've been married... 40 years, that's 14,600 days and nights. That 14,600 days and nights that you've known exactly what was going on in my life. And so there's just been one 24-hour period that I don't want to talk to you about. But you know, you'll never have to worry about something like this happening again. You know where my heart really is. 24 hours out of 14,600 days and nights. Is that really an issue? Does that sound like a healthy relationship? Suppose that husband, one more. Suppose that husband calls his wife and says, You know, I normally, I know I normally come home on this day, but I've decided that. The Super Bowl's going to be on, and if I, if I come home, I'm going to have to drive back while the Super Bowl's on, and I'm going to miss the Super Bowl. And, and this is my favorite team that's gone to the championship game here, and you know how much I love my football team. And, and but the thing is, uh, uh, so I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay so that I can watch the game. But I love you, honey. You know where my heart is. I've decided I'm going to take a vacation day, honey. I'll see you next week. But you know where my heart is. Would you say that husband loves his wife as Christ loves the church? You know, I've never conducted a marriage ceremony, never have I ever attended one. I'm sure there have been some, especially in today's times. They're changing the vows up, not be vows anymore. But generally, they go somewhere along the line that includes a line that says, and forsaking all others, keeping myself only for you. Now, a lot of times when people immediately think that forsaking means not being sexually unfaithful but we can forsake someone without it being a sexual experience would you say that that wife under these circumstances even though it was just for a 24-hour period felt like in that time that she was forsaken Paul in Ephesians 5 here. Let's recall something here. Look at back at verse 32. After he's talked about the husband and wife relationship, he says this is a great mystery. What is? Talking about the husband and wife's relationship. Why is it such a mystery? Because I'm really talking to you about Christ and the church. Now that doesn't mean that everything that he just said about the husband-wife relationship is not something we should be applying to our life. To the contrary, that's why he chose that relationship. Why? Because there is not a physical relationship on this earth in which it's going to be more intimate 
that there's going to be involved a deeper love physically for another human being than the love that we have for one another as a husband and wife. There is no greater love. There is no one that we want to care for and provide more for than our spouse. We put them first. We love them as we love ourselves. We have become one. But I'm speaking to you about Christ in the church. Now what's he saying? We, as the church, are married to Christ. And so because there is no greater bond physically than the husband and wife, the only comparison God could give us that could come close to illustrating our relationship with him spiritually is to say, we as the church are married to Christ. And if there's no greater love that we have for anyone physically on this earth than the one we're married to, then brethren, there's no greater love that we should have for anyone spiritually than our love for God, for Jesus. The church is married to the Lord. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 9, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ, the Lamb. John chapter 3, verse 29, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. Again, speaking about Jesus and his relationship to the church. So, brethren, we, Christians, the church, we're married to Christ. Now, what makes a healthy physical relationship? Putting our spouse first. What is going to make a healthy spiritual relationship? Putting the Lord first. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put God first. We want to be with our spouse, if at all possible, in a a physically healthy relationship. Do we have that same desire spiritually in our relationship with the Lord? Remember we looked at that physical relationship and we said, boy, that that man just doesn't have, you know, that's just not healthy. He doesn't have the right attitude towards his wife. The fact he says, yeah, you know where my heart is, I'm putting you first. We know good and well he's not putting her first in what she's done. Yeah, he's giving her lip service. She's hopeful that things are going to change, but everybody knows that's not healthy. And we're married to the Lord spiritually. If we have a healthy relationship, brethren, we don't have to be with the Lord. We want to be with the Lord. We don't have to come together as the bride of Christ to be in the presence of the groom, that is our Lord. We don't have to. We desire to. If you're here this morning because of the fact that, well, the Bible says, you know, if you want to go to heaven the first day of the week, you got to come together. You know, it's all, it's all wait. Check. Check that one off. Okay. Good to go for another week. You know where my heart is, Lord. I was here. Reminds me of the wife whose husband was just, he was just an overbearing tyrant. She couldn't do anything right. 
And so finally she said to him one day, took a pencil and paper and said, I want you to write down everything that I need to do that in your estimation, in your judgment, in your decision-making that makes me a faithful, loving spouse. Write down everything that I'm supposed to be doing because she couldn't seem to get anything right. And so he did. He made a list of everything. Here's what I expect you to do where the house is concerned and cooking and the children and me. And 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 just wrote it all down. And so every day she says, okay, I'm supposed to take care of his. He wants his clothes done this way. Check. I did it. You know, and he wants his food fixed. And he wants this kind of food. He wants it prepared at this time. You're check. So every day she could just go through, check, check, check. And at the end of the day she could say, there you go. Love you. I've proved it. I've kept your checklist. Does that sound healthy to you? This same woman, later her husband died. And after a few years, another man came into her life. And she was cleaning through some drawers one day, and she came across that list. Oh, she had forgotten about that list. And she got to looking at it, and that list that she had gone through, She looked at it and realized everything that she used to do because she had to, she was doing today because she wanted to. What was the difference? It was a difference in her attitude and her relationship with her husband. If you're here today to be in the presence of our Lord as his bride... Because you have to be here, then you might as well stay at home as far as your relationship is concerned. As far as the benefits of the Lord being happy. Now somebody said, well, how could he say that? Well, I'm glad you're here. And I hope that by being here, it would cause you, if that would be the reason that you're here, you have to, that something might be said or done that would cause your heart to change. But if your heart doesn't change as far as the benefit spiritually, you might as well stay at home. But the Lord knows where my heart is. Are we consistent in our relationship, our spiritual relationship with the Lord? You know, Sunday's the only day that I have to sleep in. Oh, I've got a job. It's so hard. I work so hard. And I'm, you know... (laughs) I so look forward to being able to catch up on my sleep. And Sunday's just one and only time. You know, and I'm there most Sundays, not every Sunday, but most Sundays. But sometimes I just got to sleep in. But the Lord knows where my heart is. Now, did that work with the physical relationship in your mind, of that being healthy? And which is more important, my relationship with my physical wife or my relationship with my spiritual husband? But the Lord knows where my heart is. Oh, let's get let's take it past just Sunday morning. Because a lot of people, it's just check Sunday morning, uh, Sunday night. Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about you got to come twice on Sunday. About Wednesday night, well, we know Wednesdays don't count. 
let's just, you know, that's another sermon all to itself as far as being here other occasions. Let's just keep it with the application of what we're talking about today. Why do you not want to be with the Lord on those occasions when we can come together as the bride? Why would we not do everything that we can to sacrifice so that we can put the Lord first and be here when we know He's going to be here and we are here as the bride of Christ? If we have a good relationship with our physical wife, we will sacrifice so that we can spend time with her, so that she knows she is special, so that she can know that we are putting her first. And yet for some reason when it comes to Our spiritual relationship, well, God knows where my heart is. Yes, brethren, he does. He knows where our heart is. Well, you know, if I use Sundays, I can get ahead in my work for the next week, and I don't do this that often, but every, you know, just every once in a while the work can pile up, and I just need to take a Sunday to catch up on my work. But the Lord knows where my heart is. Well, this is a special occasion, you know. Hey, Super Bowl Sunday. It's always on Sunday. But the Lord knows where my heart is. Do you realize in a lot of, there are some religions, religious organizations that will have Sunday night services canceled on Super Bowl Sunday? A lot of them do it because of the fact they know that they're not going to have enough people there to have a service. Much of any is embarrassing compared to how many would normally be there. And yet, certainly we wouldn't expect the Lord's Church to cancel its services. But in many congregations, there'll be brethren who'll miss when it's a Super Bowl Sunday or a World Series or a school program or some other sports event, or extracurricular activity, or vacation, or friends that came to visit. But the Lord knows where my heart is under those circumstances. You see, we can talk about rules where God says you should do this and you should not do that. And we can talk about, you know, we could make a checklist here, brethren. But see, we're trying to get past the what we ought to be doing to think on a spiritual level to what should we want to be doing. If our relationship with God is healthy, brethren, nobody should have to talk us into wanting to be in this building as the bride of Christ with our Lord any opportunity that we have to be here. Why would you not want to be here tonight? Well, because I came today and the Bible doesn't say, "Mm, but the Lord knows where my heart is. Yeah, you're his bride, part of the bride of Christ, and... But he knows where your heart is and it's not important for you to be here with him, to worship him, to thank him, to praise him for what he's done for you. What? You're putting the Lord first by staying home? Sometimes folks will miss a while. And it would be, well, we missed you Sunday. They'll show up. We missed you Sunday or we missed you at the last service. 
And sometimes they'll just say things like, well, thanks, and just go on and act like everything's normal. Could you imagine a husband coming home and the wife saying, hey, (laughs) you weren't home yesterday. And he goes, that's right, what's for breakfast? Well, you know, I missed you. Glad you did. You know, I'm going to go cut the grass here in a little while and just pick up where he left off like there's no problems. You'd say, well, no, that ain't right. You know, you can't, that's something wrong. Something's not right there. And yet there'll be brethren who will not come home to be with the Lord when the bride of Christ comes together to be with the Lord. And then when they do show up, it's just, we missed you. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Can I help wait on the table today, lead a prayer? You know, what do you need me to do? And just want to continue like everything's normal. That's not normal under a physical relationship. We go, mm, 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 you got some explaining to do here, but not spiritually speaking. No, well, we're just glad you're back. We need to be concerned about what happened. That's not healthy, brethren. That's not a healthy relationship. We know in a physical relationship, the only reason that a marriage can end with God's approval, and then it's not, it's not going to be a situation where God's happy, but the only way a marriage can end where both, of them, both people are still alive The only way it can end honorably is if death takes place. But it can still end with God's approval for if the spouse, one of of them were unfaithful. Matthew 19, verse 9. That's the only reason why. That's the only reason given, first of all, for divorce. Most of the time people look at that and say, well, that's the only reason given for divorce and then being able to remarry. Brethren, that's the only reason Jesus gave for divorce. And he went ahead and talked about remarrying. Because if you look at it, the Pharisees, they come to him and say, Well, Lord, you know, uh, can we put away our wife for just any reason? Now, what are they wanting to know? We want to know about divorce. They weren't asking about getting remarried. What reason can we put our wife away? And the Lord said, um, From the beginning, God created one man and one woman, and they were to, the man was to leave and cleave to his wife, and they were to stay together uh, Death to them part, as we say. And they said, we'd like to know about divorce. And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to talk to you about um, divorce. God said, don't do it. Get married and stay married. That was his answer. We want a divorce. Well, the answer is stay married. Well, Moses said that under these, you know, that we could give them a certificate of divorce. And yeah, well, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted that. But from the beginning, it was not so. Well, Moses allowed this divorce. Yes, he permitted that. But from the beginning, the rule that God gave was get married and stay married. Well, I don't love my wife anymore. Well, let me see here. I've had folks come into my office talking about the fact, oh, I'm married to the devil's sister. And the wife look at him and say, well, the Bible says that you have to, you have to love me. You know, 
and you have to stay with me. You know, and, and he looks at her and says something like, well, you know, and the Bible even says that you're supposed to be willing to die for me. And then I've had a husband look at me and say, oh, dying would be easy. Living with her is the hard part. <laughs> What's the answer when a husband or wife feels like they've fallen out of love? Listen up. I'm going to tell you. Here's what God's. This is what God. This is his answer. When the husband says, "Mm, things have changed, I just don't love her anymore. When the wife says, things have changed, I just don't love them anymore. Here is what God said. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, Love your husbands. You say, but if things have changed, things are so hard. God didn't say if things get hard, stop loving. <laughs> if, if love stops because things change between us and things get hard, God would have stopped loving you and me a long time ago. Aren't you glad that he hasn't stopped loving you? Are we true to our vows to Christ? We promised to put physically our spouse first when we got married. And when we were married into Christ, when we were baptized into Christ, Romans 6 and verse 3. When we were baptized into his body, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. When we promised in Galatians 2 and verse 20 to allow Christ to lead us. Just as when we get married physically, we are now one flesh. And we promise to keep that other one first in our life. When we promise to forsake all others, there's no one or no thing that comes that's going to interfere with our relationship with our husband or wife. When we became a child of God, we became one. We were baptized into Christ as the bride of Christ. We're one with Christ. And we made a promise, we made a vow that we would forsake all others. And no one or no thing would interfere with our relationship with the Lord. Brethren... Have you maintained faithfulness to that vow? Well, the Lord knows where my heart is. We need to think on a spiritual plane. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 27, we read, Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I've had some brethren that hold the position. They say, well, this word forsaking, that means to abandon. That means that you have completely given up on the Lord, that you're not going to have anything else to do with him ever again. That's your attitude. I'm finished with you. Well, if that's true, what did Jesus mean when he was hanging on the cross in Matthew chapter 27 verse 46 and he said my God my God why hast thou forsaken me see we can forsake one another for a period of time and notice that the writer of the book of Hebrews in talking about those who were forsaking the assembly were the ones who were wavering what does it mean to waver they're Vacillating between two choices. 
They're saying, well, yeah, I know God would have me to do this, but I'm not so sure about this, and I want to do this, and they're just back and forth. And Paul, or I believe it was Paul, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, "Mm, hold fast to your confession of faith without that waffling, that wavering back and forth. What are they wavering on? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some of you. Some of us who he's writing to, there are times when they're just not with the assembly when they come together. They're wavering in that vow that they made. The Lord is first. The Lord is first. But I need to. I want to. But the Lord is first. The Lord. Hold fast to that confession, to that vow that you made. Notice he says, when we come together, we exhort one another. But then he goes on and says in verse 26, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. For if we sin willfully, we have nothing to look forward to but a home in hell. That's what he said. For if we choose to sin, what is this willful sin? The people who are wavering in their keeping of their commitment, the vow that they made to be steadfast to the Lord in assembling. Well, I never thought that was, I mean, nobody's ever preached. I I haven't heard. I I don't believe. I'm supposed to feel like, I'm supposed to feel, I'm supposed to be here all the time. Why do you not want to be with your spouse as much as you can? How unhealthy. What a rotten marriage relationship you have if you don't want to be with your spouse. What a rotten spiritual relationship you have if you don't want to be with the Lord every opportunity that you can come together as the bride of Christ to thank Him, to praise Him, to worship Him. What a rotten relationship you have if you don't want to be here. Brethren, it's all about going to heaven. What is it out there in the world that would keep us from wanting to do what is spiritual? Because what comes after this life is only the spiritual for eternity. What is it in this life that is causing us to waver in our commitment, in our desire to want to be in the presence of the Lord, to worship Him? Where are we laying? What treasures are we laying up? Where are we laying them up? On earth or in heaven? Brethren, just as unfaithfulness in the physical marriage has caused many marriages to end, spiritual unfaithfulness will cause our marriage to Christ to be destroyed. The church is the bride of Christ. And if we are unfaithful to our bridegroom, he will put us away. We can make all the excuses that we want as to why it should be acceptable. As to why we still in our own mind we're keeping God first. But those excuses our God can see right through just like our physical spouse can see right through it.
Where do you want to spend eternity? I believe you want to spend it in heaven. That's why you're here. But are you wavering? If you're here this morning, you're not a child of God, we want to give you an opportunity to become one. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? We repent of the sin that's in your life. Come confess your faith in Jesus as God's Son. Will you be baptized for the remission of your sins? As a child of God, have you sinned and fallen short of His glory? Brethren, we all sin. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The real shame is not that we've sinned. God is not as concerned with how many times we fall down as He is with how many times we get back up. He knows we're going to fall. But He's constantly got His hand extended saying, let me help you back up. If only we'll humble ourselves and say, I need that help. I need that forgiveness. How does that take place? 1 John 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins... God, who's faithful and just, will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. No matter what we've done, no matter how many times we've done it, and no no matter how far in the past it may have occurred, the blood of Jesus will continue to cleanse sin. The angels in heaven rejoice. We rejoice with them. What the world thinks, we're not concerned with. We just want to We just want our God, we want our God to be proud of us. We want the bridegroom to one day be able to look to the Father and say, yeah, this is one of mine. And to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. What will God say to you based upon the choices that you're making if you were to stand before him in judgment today? If you have a need, we encourage you to respond now as we stand and sing this song.